Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Charlie, today we have a guy who not only was a star for the Milwaukee Admirals, but since his retirement and even while he was playing, has given so much to the hockey community in southeastern Wisconsin and the state in general. And Charlie, did you know this? Uh, among others, including Jonathan Quick, Brian Leach, and former Brewers pitcher Juan Nieves, he is a member of the Avon Old Farms Hall of Fame. <laughs> I did not know that. He, that is that's some serious uh, show prep that you did, Aaron. I'm very he impressed. Is, uh, former Admirals defenseman Carl Valamont. Hi, Carl. How are you? How are you, Aaron? Thanks for doing having doing great. Uh, what was uh, Avon Old Farms is a, is a historic school. Uh, boys' school, right? Yes, correct. Uh, when you're there, I mean, it it, it it breeds excellence, I guess. I mean, and I'm not trying to do a, a PSA or a promo for for Avon <laughs> Old Farms here yeah. by any means, but but I, I, you look at all the athletes who have come from there, just the athletes alone, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. And when you're there, like I said, Juan Nieves, Brian Leaf, you guys are all about the same time. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. I was just telling a guy uh, the other day about Juan Nieves. His name came up, my, my neighbor. And uh, I said, I don't know. I think he pitched a no-hitter in 85, if my memory's right. And, 87. Uh, for the Brewers, 87. 87, okay. 87, 87. Yeah. And um, the neighbor says, oh, you know Juan Nieves? How do you know him? I said, I went to Avon Old Farms with him. He said, really? I said, yeah, I'd be running around the lacrosse field. And uh, we got uh, this guy's pitching baseball, and he's throwing smoke in high school. And they got all these radar guns behind the the – uh, the, the, the catcher yeah, right, right. Behind the, the fence and I'm like what the heck are they doing over there <laughs> we had no <laughs> idea never right. even seen that before and obviously the guy went right from high school into the pros and uh, was quite a guy and I when I when I started playing here we got together quite a bit uh, is that right Don and I, I, he might be with the Yankees now is he I, I think I think I think that's correct. Yeah, he's yeah. been with the White Sox in Boston, and I think you might be right with the Yankees yeah. now. Yeah. But your question is uh, interesting. I, I uh, when when they did the Hall of Fame thing, I, I went to the school, and you have to do this speech, and I got in front of the whole school and uh, uh, young kids, and I said, "Well, listen, when I got to Avon Old Farms, I was wondering what am I doing here? Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. It's an all boys school. I didn't want to go to an all boys school. I wanted to go co-ed somewhere, and I got right. into a bunch of them." And I ended up going to Avon and, it, and my parents told me the reason why you went to Avon was because they gave us the most money. And I said, Oh, um, and I said, I thought, cause you hated me. <laughs> what am I, doing here? So I tell these kids this story. And I said, you know, fast forward, you go, you know, three years after you find out that, um, you know, what an experience that was. And, and I think the biggest thing Aaron that they do is they, 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 they teach you regimen. So you, you do things, you get up in the morning and you eat, then you yeah. go to class and then you eat again. And then you go to class, you go to sport, you have dinner, you have study hall, you have time with your buddies, but there's really three legs of the stool in, a, in an environment like that. I don't know that our, our schools have it here, um, but basically it's um, the three legs are academic life, athletic life, and social life. And yeah. they're all equally important. So, so when you... The balance is there. The balance is there for kids. And I think when you grow up in something like that, you know, in your formative years, really, um, you you know, it it sticks with you. So does it stick with you at UMass Lowell? I mean, you go to college and and have a great career at at Lowell, but college, man, you can get lazy real quick. It doesn't take long 
to blow off that 8 a.m. class and, yeah. or whatever, right? Or, or eat and drink until all hours of the night. Part of the regimen there was, you know, at UMass Lowell, um, the deal was that we were in Hockey East and we would have an interlocking schedule with the WCHA in those days. So every other weekend, we're leaving on Thursday, right? To go, we'll get there Thursday night. We'll have a meal. We'll practice Friday morning. We'll play Friday night, right. play Saturday, and we're out Sunday morning. So you kind of had to have a skill set uh, to be able to deal with that. You know, manage you that. class two days a week, uh, every other week. You have to do your work. You know, I mean, they have tutors for you. It's not like you don't get any help. Uh, but at the end of the day, I already had the skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of my teammates that didn't make it. They flunked off the team because they didn't have the skill set. Sure. Uh, to yeah. be able to do that. I, so it I, served I, me very well there. And I actually thought going to college was much simpler than going to, to prep school. The, the, the academic load, actually, I thought it was easier. Hmm. Because you're not, because you don't have as much. Um, or is it, it just wasn't be, as difficult. I think it just, it, you, we didn't have as much and it wasn't as difficult. I mean, they really okay. stretch you in prep school. I mean, they're, they're pulling you in every direction they want. You know, they want to test you and prod you and poke you and, and push you to the next level. I don't know that college is like that. College is just you basically on your own, figure it out. And if yes. it works out great, and if it doesn't, nobody really cares. If, right. if not, then you're then you're done. And but Avon I, I cares because the matriculation from Avon's a hundred percent. Right. A hundred percent of the kids are going to college. Yeah. That's and they, that that's a huge that's a big no, that's a big selling point to wow. parents like yours. Yeah. Uh, and everybody else, like a hundred, everyone who comes here goes to college and they got to have that. So as soon as that one kid doesn't and they can't say it, that's, that's a tough one for them to, to uh, note that we, oh. my brother and I had a brother that's 16, well, I have a brother that's 16 months older than me that went to Avon as a PG. And so we caught up together as seniors and then we went to college together. Yeah. And it's kind of a funny story about that. I was, I was recruited by the Badgers at the time, Jeff Sauer. Okay. And uh, this was back in 88 uh, 87, 88. And, um, so I go there and, you know, uh, uh, Tony Granada was my, my guide that weekend. He took me mm-hmm. around all the different places, uh, including the college club. And, uh, <laughs> we ended up, uh, having a nice time. And then, um, after I had breakfast with Sauer and he says, Hey, we really want you to come to Wisconsin. I said, well, I have to go to, I got an interview yet with my brother. We're going to UMass Lowell. And he says, okay, just let me know how that goes. So, we go uh, to the interview and we're sitting at the interview and uh, the coach was Bill Riley Jr. And he says, uh, hey, I'll take you if your brother comes. And uh, and I said, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in the car and we're driving home. You know, it's about two and a half hours from where we lived. And and my brother says, uh, hey, what are you going to do? And I said, what do you mean? What am I going to do? We're going to Lowell. That's what yeah. we're doing. Yeah, uh, that's how it ended up. But it was ironic that I ended up here with the admirals with all that happening and uh, you know, had that opportunity to play for the Badgers. I don't regret any of it. We had a great time. We had a great program and uh, I was and you got to play with your brother for five years. Yeah. yeah. That's oh. amazing. Uh, you get drafted. You say you, like you mentioned, you end up playing in Milwaukee, but when you get drafted uh, by the Canucks in a round that doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. You have no idea necessarily. Where was Vancouver's Farms Club at uh, back in, you know, 85, 86? It wasn't in Milwaukee. Well, I can tell you where it was because I ended up going there my first, right out of college. So my senior year, I graduated. Or I didn't yep. graduate. I, I left right after the tournament. We played, ironically enough, our final game at the Dane County. We played oh, no against kidding. the Badgers in the first round of the NCAAs. And uh, they smoked us the first game. It was a two-goal total or two-game total goal deal. Right. So going to the second game, we were already out. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't even remember the score of the last game, but after the coach came up to me um, and said, uh, Hey, the Canucks want to give you a contract. And I said, really? Cause the year before he said to me, Hey, if you have a good senior year, you're going to get a contract. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What do you mean? I'm going to get a contract. What does that mean? Right. I had no idea. We had no yeah. help. We had no mentors. We had nothing. And um, so that's, that's what happened. They called me up. And so I flew right out to Vancouver, practiced with them for a bunch and they were out of the playoffs. And so they sent me to Fredericton, New Brunswick was where it oh, was. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the Fredericton, New Brunswick express, there were some guys on one of the notable guys was Claude Julian was on the team. Oh, no kidding. And he, he actually played for the admirals too uh, early this in his was, career. This was the end of the road for him though. He yeah. was, he was pretty much uh, done. And, uh, but they had a nice team and they, so in those days they were always co-opt the, yes. uh, the farm teams, you know, I think they were with Quebec. That right. was, who, that's who uh, Claude Julian was with Quebec. Sure. And so they had a, they had kind of a, a dual uh, farm team. And then uh, the next year was the first year of the Bradley center. And um, so I go to, I go to Vancouver and they sent me here and I came here and my partner that first year was Randy Boyd. It's still a good pal of mine. Sure. And, uh, you know, a hell of a nice player. And uh, it's kind of nice. I just give the puck to him and let him go. We just <laughs> talked to Randy Boyd on the radio show and uh, a little more about, uh, with him in a sec uh, about the admirals in a second, but he was the coach and you played roller hockey in Chicago for a couple of seasons. And he was, a, he was the coach of that team for one year. Exactly right. What, what is, I'm fascinated. I have a buddy yeah. who played in the roller hockey, Rob Andringa. I, I, I'm sure you, who you knew, uh, yeah. Robbie Andringa played and he told me some great stories about being on the, at the rink with against Brian Trottier. And oh, yeah. I mean, just, just amazing stories. What was roller hockey like for you? Well, I'll tell you what it was for me. It was a, um, it, it a few was, extra bucks. It was fun. Well, it was yeah. a, it was yeah a few extra bucks, but it was fun. It was a great workout. Sure. Right? I mean, you're wearing all that gear. It's hot. You're sweating. Where did you play in Chicago? Uh, Chicago. Um, where we play? I can't. We played at the uh, what is it? IAC. What's the college there? IAC. Uh, Illinois uh, Chicago. Illinois UIC, Chicago. Yeah, yeah Illinois UIC. Chicago. Yeah. Is it Illinois Circle? Illinois Chicago. Illinois, Chicago. Yeah, they had a they had a, a rink there and okay. we played there and then we practiced at different places. But but George Mikan was the owner of the team. No kidding. Oh, was yeah. he really? Wow. Yeah. And I see this old guy walking around and I'm like, you know, I was young then. I'm looking at this guy. It looks like he's walking on uh, eggshells. Right. You know, walking yeah. around. His knees are shot. And uh, he was a super nice guy. And, uh, you know, he's just doing it for fun. And he had some other guy that he had kind of running the team. But um the thing that I found about roller hockey was it was, it was super frustrating uh, because you're just so limited, you know, yeah. in those days you couldn't really stop on the, on the wheels like they do now. Right. Um, you know, so you're circling and <clears throat> the funniest thing of it is, and Randy would have seconded this. So we get back into the hockey mode, right. And we go to training camp. We start, we start getting ready for training camp. Actually we'd practice at evil park um, and getting ready. And, uh, Coming off roller hockey, you'd start backing into the goalie because you you got no sense where you are. Right? right. You can't stop. And the goalie's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, it was fun. We had, you know, Eric Morano was a guy that, um, you know, he's, he's in town here. And, yes. Uh, he's, he's given back now coaching the uh, Whitefish Bay. And um, he was a guy that was on the team and, you know, um, and we had some fun doing that stuff, but, uh, the way it ended for me was I was, I could tell you, I was at the Kiel center playing against 
a St. Louis team. And uh, I had scored a couple of goals. You know, there's a lot of goals scored in roller hockey. Yes. Right. I had scored a couple of goals and I'm going back to the bench and all of a sudden my arm just starts, it's on fire burning. And I go, what the, some guy just two handed me across the back of the arm. Oh, going to the bench after a goal. Yeah. Broke it right in half. Really? Broke my arm right in half. I had to go to surgery in St. Louis and I go, that's the end of that. And yeah. Wow, no kidding. The guys playing in that league that were, uh, you know, they played in the, in the minor, minor leagues and they're yes. making no money and they'll kill anybody for 50 bucks. And I'm right. Like, I don't need this. I'm trying to, I'm still playing hockey for a living. I don't need this. So I, you, that was right. Crazy. Exactly. This is fun. This is summer. Yeah, this was supposed to be fun. Not that. And uh, so that was the end of it. It was, it was a good ride while we did it. Um, you know, we made a few extra bucks and, and uh, we played for the Chicago cheetahs. It was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. That, that first year of the Bradley center uh, coming off the worst year in admiral's history, which you probably didn't know a lot about it. You probably heard about it. Bill almost died, obviously, yeah. but can, I mean, I'm not sure what it was like for you playing and what kind of arena you had at UMass, but then to come into the Bradley Center, which is literally the 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 at the time probably the be, maybe the best arena in the country, yep. playing to fit 14, 15,000 people every night on an unbelievable team. Yep. Uh, like I just I'm, I look at the stats on here and it's just it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and it just must have been a blast for a guy who's 22 years old in a nice big in Milwaukee, which is a great city. As you obviously, you know, you must've just had a blast. Well, I did have a blast. And, you know, ironically enough, I, you know, coming from the East coast, I had no idea where Milwaukee even was. Right. Flyover country. Where's Where's Wisconsin? I don't know. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, end up coming here. Uh, I remember going to the rink. Rick Lee was our coach. He was a really nice guy. Um, He was, he was one of those uh, coaches that just said, Hey, listen, you know what you're supposed to do. Go do it. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, teaching in this. He just goes, you're a professional, do your thing. Um, and we expect you to do your thing. And if you play, you'll play. And if you don't, you won't. Uh, yeah. But one of the funniest stories of that year I can remember was uh, Paul Lawless was on the team. Sure. And Paul Lawless is a funny guy. And uh, so we get on the bus for a road trip. And in those days, we would go, you know, three games and three nights and, you know, who knows, driving on a bus the whole time. Yeah. So we're loading the bus up and we, I think we've got about 24 cases of beer on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> One, One for, for every guy. Yeah. And Rick, Lee, and Rick Lee goes by and he goes, Jesus. He goes, what are we? Are we a hockey team or a drinking team? <laughs> <laughs> and Lawless goes, we're a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fun. But going in the Bradley Center was amazing. I mean, I came from, uh, you know, uh, Avon Old Farms, which basically uh, we had a uh, roof on the rink. Okay. So the sides were open. So that was nice and cold all the time. Right. Uh, not a lot of amenities. We basically, you know, dressed in this little small room. Um, and then going from there to UMass Lowell, which was at the time that we were in the Tully Forum, which was in Bill Ricca, Mass, which was huge for me coming from, um, you know, Avon. And then going from there to the Bradley Center, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the most amazing thing for me was, um, you know, I was just a kid. I grew up in the woods in Connecticut. Uh, you know, Brian Leach was my line mate when we were kids. I was a center, right? the left winger. And, uh, you know, as we went through, uh, we got the Bantam year and the coach says, um, I remember we're at the snack bar having a hamburger one day and he says, Hey, uh, I'm going to make you guys defensemen. And I said, uh, Oh, all right. He goes, do you know why? I said, yeah, cause you said so. Said, <laughs> That's not why he says, I'll tell you why. Because forwards are a dime a dozen. You can't find defensemen. 
you need defensemen. And when you, and, and if you're good, you'll keep playing. Yeah. And um, so Bantam here, we both changed. Um, obviously he had a, a, a really storied career and, you know, his father was a guy that played at BC and uh, his, the deal with Brian, though, he's always two years older than um, everybody or two years younger than everybody else playing up. Uh, it was. So it finally came time to him. You know, I remember I was at Avon, not to regress, but we're at Avon and the, the coach says, Hey, you got to watch this guy tonight. I go, who is it? He says, Brian Leach. I said, I know him. I grew up with him. Yeah. He says, no, you got to watch this guy. So they were playing, I think they were playing our JV team. I think whatever team he was on, um, they were, um, I think they were a seven to six was the score and he was in on every goal of the seven wow. and, you know, just totally dominated that, and then and controlling and everything situation. I've heard these stories specifically in Minnesota high school hockey, like Henry Boucher and these legendary guys from the sixties and seventies where Henry Boucher would score all the goals for Warroad, But when he needed a break, instead of a line change, he would play defense. <laughs> he never he never left the ice right he was out there at the time for 40 probably 44 of the 45 minutes well you can rest on defense till it's in your zone right right <laughs> exactly exactly and then it's a fire drill uh, but anyways back to the bradley center i mean it was a phenomenal thing um i still say this to everybody that'll listen i'll say it again today uh mike wojahowski had the best marketing deal in the history of sport uh where we went to the uh hyatt after games and we were able to go in there uh, with anybody we wanted. And it was uh, carte blanche. Uh, really? We wanted, yeah. <laughs> I've never even heard this before. No, that's something I never knew. I thought I heard every Woj story. Yeah. It lasted one year and it was over. <laughs> we drank and ate him out of house and home. And it well, was you know, Doug, Ag Doug Agnew, who uh, obviously you know very well, wasn't there for the first year. But he is. he says that your teams, the teams you played on, are the teams that coined the phrase Psycho Sunday. Because it was, uh, it was, you, like you said, you play a three and three, you played Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon at the Bradley Center, and then let's go have some fun, boys. Gloves were off after that, that's for sure. And we did, yeah. we had a lot of fun in those days. I'm not so sure they have as much fun as we did. Um, you know, no. the guys, we, we, we enjoyed it. And a lot of guys stayed pretty close long-term. And I tell everybody, I don't really remember that many games, but I remember the guys. Absolutely. And buddies and. I tell the same thing to the kids I coach high school. I mean, this is a, a great time in your life. Enjoy it. Uh, if this is a job, you got problems. Right. Brian Absolutely. Burke. Brian Burke kind of put together those teams. He and Pat Quinn when you when you were in Milwaukee, and he talks about entertain. Brian Burke is an advocate of entertaining hockey, mm -hmm. and my goodness, I can't imagine that there was a more entertaining team than the club you played on when you were a rookie. I mean, scoring goals. Uh, you had probably seven guys that had yeah. 200 penalty minutes or more. Right, Roddy uh, Stern, Tim Moley, uh, you know, like this ridiculous. Just, just uh, you talk about a show every night. Randy Boyd, just who you Randy just Boyd. mentioned. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, Molly, I would partner up with him sometimes that year as well. And Molly would say to me, he was about six, five, you know, kind of a, a hunkering guy. And we didn't have very good feet, but he was you know, pretty good with the puck and really a smart KG old uh, veteran. And he said, listen, you do whatever you want out there. I got your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well, kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we had great teams. And, you know, unfortunately, what happened with that was um, that year, the Canucks made a lot of trades at the end of the year that didn't work out well for us. Right. Um, it took the it really took the steam out of that team. Um, I know, for example, Paul Lawless got traded for Peter DeBoer, right. um, who is a way better coach than a player. Right. And, yeah. uh, As he would admit. He didn't play a long time, but, you know, nice guy, great guy. Uh, but Lawless was a dynamic player. 
um, that could get stuff done. Um, I don't know if Hodgson got called up. Danny Hodgson was a nice player. I mean, really a playmaker. Um, I think we had Rolacek on the team. Yeah. He could score. Ronnie Stern, I think, got called up. Uh, so I remember playing in the playoffs and we were playing against uh, Salt Lake and we're down to three defensemen um, in, in our, I don't know what game it was, game four or five or six, maybe. Uh, and we got, we got edged out, but that, that team, if we kept it together, I'm pretty sure we would have, we would have got it done. And the whole thing so were the moves. Uh, Wojo talks about how Rick Lee would some, would get frustrated. He, he didn't like the seven, six games. And I don't know any coach that actually does like the seven, six games. Even if you win, I don't know if any, any coach that likes the seven, six games, but do you think he, that kind of graded on him? I mean, here's a guy, he's a WHA Hall of Famer, played in the NHL, right? I mean, he's no, really the guys a, he was a, a great guy and a great guy. I'm sure it graded on him big time. I mean, I don't, you know, in, in the, the day that he played, in those days, it was, you know, kitty bar the door, you know, fighting, scratching, yeah. one to get everything you get. You know, you're giving up free goals. Nobody's happy about it. But, you know, unfortunately, the game at that time was probably starting to turn into, uh, I don't think, unfortunately, it's just the way it is, turn into, you know, more dynamic offensive stuff. Yeah. You know, you, you started having defensemen jumping into play here and there, um, which now today you got, it's a five man attack. You don't know who's playing what position. Right. Um, you know, guys are all over the place. So, um, but it was really good. It was a really good experience. You know, I was a guy that got a contract. I was a one-on-one -on -one contract, right? I had a one year with a one year option at the club. And so after my first year, I actually finished up with a pretty good playoff and uh, I got a, I got a three year uh, deal after that. Wow with them. And uh, so that was kind of nice. I knew where I was going to, you know, it was kind of solid for the next three years and uh, you know, ended up doing by and large my career here in Milwaukee. And then I ended up getting uh, you know, traded to Houston at some point um, and, and picked up there. And then I go back and forth from Houston to here. So, you know, Milwaukee was always the home and I bought a house here in 1991 and just really never moved. You are, are, you, are you still in that same house? I'm not. I'm. I'm okay. going on house number three now, Charlie. But I'm okay. still in town. <laughs> still in. Still here. <laughs> and my daughter's got another two years of high school, and then uh, you know that's that. So yeah. When you when you get to that second year, the beginning of that second year, and Vancouver based all their stuff here in the preseason, right? Everything was based. Uh, actually, it was. Um, no, it was in Vancouver. Oh, it was. Okay. We just had, we had an exhibition game here that year. Again. You had an exhibition game and it's one of my favorite stories. Oh, this is an outstanding story. One of my favorite stories. And I, I, every time I talk to you, I ask you to tell this story, but if you don't mind, I'm going to do it again. Uh, where you're playing the exhibition game in Milwaukee against Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings. Wayne Gretzky was supposed to open the building the year before with Edmonton, but as we know, he was traded to, to the Kings and it, the biggest deal ever. Right. Um, right but you finally get on the ice with Wayne Gretzky in that exhibition game at the Bradley center. So he's uh, obviously everybody knows who he is and, and uh, you're a young kid trying to make a mark. And uh, so he comes down on me and he spun me around like a top and I turn around and two hand him across the back of the legs. <laughs> and uh, and uh, obviously I get a penalty for that. I go to the box, I'm sitting in the box and uh, come out. Next thing you know, I got this guy above me saying, Hey, uh, I wouldn't do that again. And I looked up about a foot above my head and uh, there was Marty McSorley. And I said, I hear you. <laughs> no problem. Yes. yes, sir. I forgot that I didn't have Tim Molly as my partner. Anymore. As, your, as your partner anymore, right? <laughs> that would have been, that, that's interesting. That would have been interesting, right? The, the, yeah, the if that was the case, I would have said, go talk to Molly. 
Right. Exactly. No. But I think at the time I was paired up with Paul Reinhardt and he wasn't exactly going to go after McSorley either. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the deal was that year I had uh, in, in my first year uh, playing I, at Christmas time here, I had a, uh, a pretty significant injury. I had a, uh, a big bone chip that came off of my femur. Oh, I was practicing one day and I think it was an old injury that just ended up finally just cracking off, but it was the size of a, like a silver dollar that came off my femur. So at the time, the doctors were, I don't know if you guys remember uh, Diulio and Calopy. Sure. Michael sure. Calopy and, 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 and I think his name was uh, Rob Diulio, Bob Diulio. Anyways, Bob. I said, Hey, what would you guys do with this? And they said, well, we'll just take it out. I said, well, I'm 22 years old, but I'm smart enough to know that if you take that out, I'm going to have a pretty good size hole there. Right. And when will it be when I can't walk anymore? What age will that be? And um, they go, ah, good point. I said, okay. So they drained <laughs> it a couple of times and I played the rest of the year on that. So oh, I'd have wow. a bone chip moving around in my kneecap or knee capsule. And so I went to Vancouver uh, after and the doctor put it back in. So it was like a surgery where they scratched the, scratched the surface. They put this um, silver dollar back in and pegged it in. Um, and it took about three months to heal. And one of the, you know, it's probably one of the things that kind of hurt me is that I went back, I really wasn't able to train. Yeah. Um, so I came back for that training camp after having a good, you know, rookie season and uh, just wasn't really ready to go, you know, yeah. um, but you can't, and you, but you can't really, you can't make excuses, right? Like they're, yeah, it is what it is. And I, and you know, you, so I got called up a couple of times and never got an opportunity to play, but I think that was the real opportunity for me. If I was, you know, if I didn't have that injury and I was able to slide in the next year, uh, my, my leg was, you know, a third, not probably, I don't know, two thirds of what it should have been. Yeah. Right. You know, it took a long time to get back. Wow. Wow. So anyways, I went and played and we, you know, we were here and we had a, you know, a decent year. Um, but all in all, it was a great time in this city and uh, obviously still connected with the team and Harris is a good friend of mine. Um, and uh, so all good times. You were playing, you, you got sent to PEI for a little while in 93, 94. What happened there? I did. Well, I was here and it was at the time it was, um, uh, who was the coach then? It was uh, Frazier, Kurt Frazier. Sure. And they were bringing a bunch of guys. And I think at the time there was a lot of, uh, they were bringing in a lot of guys that were uh, free agents at the time. It was big free agent days, you know, yeah. Yeah. and so we bringing all these guys in and, and I wasn't playing a lot. And I was at the last year of my contract. And I said to Phil, I said, listen, I want out of here. I said, I, I have to play. I can't get a right. contract if I don't have any games. And I remember him saying, Hey, you know what? I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to find a spot. I said, would you mind if I go look myself? And I had a good friend of mine, Andrew McBain, who played here for a bit. Sure, yeah, played in Milwaukee. And, um, I called him up. I said, hey, where are you at? And he says, I'm in PEI. I says, they, you, do they need any help? And um, he said, well, let me talk to the coach. And so uh, I got traded there, and I uh, played the rest of that season. It was kind of a rough deal. It was a rough team. Uh, playing in PEI is not that much fun. <laughs> I can't imagine. Where are <laughs> you in? Uh, very, but, but I just wanted to play because I know I needed to play. Right. Uh, so what happened was after that year, I went down and I think I tried, uh, I think I uh, went to Cincinnati and I uh, actually caught on with them for a little bit. And then uh, Houston called me and they wanted me to come down um, and, uh, and play there. So I hooked up there. And at the time it was a good group. We had Terry Ruskowski was the coach. Uh, Dave Tippett was a playing assistant and Scotty Arneal was a playing assistant. Sure. And a lot of my old buddies are on that team. Uh, uh, Curtis Hunt from the first year here. Yep, from Milwaukee. Uh, we had a bunch of guys there. So it was uh, really, 
those are really three fun years that we had. And, you know, we played a lot of golf cause you can there. Um, okay. and, uh, it was really some good times. And then at the end, I just decided, you know what, I'm so beat up now. I gotta, I gotta go somewhere where I can actually, uh, get away from guys that are going to try yeah. to kill me. Right. And, uh, so I went to Germany and the first year I went, I had post-concussion syndrome. So I was beat up with that. Uh, didn't last long. And then I came back and did a little rehab stint in, uh, in Denmark, uh, and then went to Frankfurt and played a little there. And that was the end of it. And then I had another contract to go to Frankfurt and I ended up getting a job and I told my wife, I'm done. She goes, what do you mean? I want to go back to Europe. Yeah. Right. Let's go live in Europe. I have to go back to visit. I said, cause I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I said, my body says, no, I'd love to play, but it's just not going to work out. Sure. Um, you know, I had like three concussions in a row in Houston and they weren't good. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, that's tough. And before they, you, you get bumped and you're out. And that's before they really knew what was, you know, how bad concussions were for you and what the proper protocol was. You just don't, right. you can't, now you don't shake them off. Right. Back exactly. then it was like, Oh, you might miss a shift and you get your, you know, get the cobwebs out and you're back on the ice. That's how it was. Yeah. And I don't know if we're any worse for the wear. I don't know. I, I, that one year was kind of rough. You know, you just, the problem with concussions is you just don't sleep. Right. Yeah. So you're not getting any repair sleep and you wake up and you could be in bed for 10, 12 hours. You wake up and you feel awful. Like right. you never slept, you know, cause you really didn't. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a protocol for it. They get guys back pretty quick now. Uh, but you know, I, I tell people it's like taking your computer drop it on the ground and see how good it works. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it is. That, that's your computer. <laughs> yeah, computer. Yeah, exactly right. So, so many uh, in your time in Milwaukee, there's so many amazing names that just jump out in admirals led as admirals legends. Uh, you never played for him, but he was the GM the whole time. And I'm sure you got to become good friends with him it was Phil Whitliff. Uh, mm-hmm. Just give us your, what your, what it was like for, to have Phil sort of as your boss. How yeah. was he as a GM? We've heard about him as a coach a lot, but not so much as a GM. Well, I thought he was good. I, you know, he was, his job was to, you know, uh, put together a team that could be competitive and win. And, uh, you know, I think in the days of, you know, affiliations where you're basically getting your players handed to you, the GM job probably wasn't that big of a role, right. um, you know, more, more of just an, you know, kind of a, a overseeing things. But when, when they started with the free agents and they're independent and putting together you know, groups of guys, I think, you know, like bringing in a guy like Tony Herkus. I know he brought in like Mike McNeil, who's a really good guy. Um, you know, there's just a lot of good players that he brought in. And I think he did a great job. You know, I, I, I know the ending was a little different for him. Um, and um, at the end of the day, I thought he was a great guy. I see him every now and again. Um, you know, I know he's, uh, that, that accident's really taken a toll on him. Yeah, as certainly. time's gone on. And, uh, but he's, he's really good. He was great for the community. He was a fun guy. You know, we would, we would do a lot of fun stuff. You know, he would just on a whim say, Hey, let's go over to, you know, Buck Bradley's or something and have lunch. Uh, right. I'm buying. Yeah. Uh, or after a, after a, a practice, let's do a shootout, you know, and the winner gets whatever. Um, right. so it was, you know, he put some fun into it. One of the funniest stories, you guys have probably heard this, but you know, he was coaching that he would be wearing the gardening gloves. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're out there, you know, and we're all pretty accomplished hockey players. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing with gardening gloves? on? <laughs> so I don't remember who did it. It might've been Dave Mackey. Cause he was a, he's a funny guy. I think he actually wrote CCM on the back of his gardening gloves. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, he wrote it on the top. Yeah. He wrote on it top. on the top. Right. Yeah. And he'd come out and everybody go, oh, those are nice gloves. Jeez, can we yeah. get some of those? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's funny is five years later, 
right when I started five years after that happened, after your last season in Milwaukee, I started working for the Admirals and I was in Notre. I was visiting. I where a friend, my wife and her friends were in Notre Dame and they just happened to be the alumni hockey game that day. So Phil, he's my new boss. He makes me go basically. He's like, Oh, you got to go. So yeah. we showed up, he's wearing the, the gloves and he says, Hey, do you like my new gloves? They're from CCM. <laughs> and I, st- and I, so I had no idea, but I had never heard how that I figured he wrote that on there, but it was actually Dave Mackey. <laughs> That's Dave Mackey. So a funny story. We had a guy that uh, coaches with me at Arrowhead, a guy, JJ Kaler, who was a nice player in his day and he'd wear gardening gloves. So obviously we put CCM on those. <laughs> on those. Yeah. <laughs> You had, you mentioned Phil as the GM, but when your time in Milwaukee, you had a different coach every year, didn't you? Every single year. Yeah. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. That's kind that of tough. Actually. You know, you, you go through a lot of coaches and, you know, you don't know what they're looking for and, you know, what style of play they like. I was kind of a guy that liked to jump up in the play and get in the offense and, and chip in. And uh, some guys were looking for more defense. Um, but, you know, we had Ron LaPointe my second year. Yeah. Um, who was pretty ill actually at the time. I think he was fighting stomach cancer. Right. Um, I think, uh, and I, I think Ron Wilson was uh, right. actually his assistant. Correct. Um, and then we had Mike Murphy, who was a super guy. That's you had Jack Mack, right? You had Jack Mack. Jack Mack. Oh yeah. I love Jack Mack. Yeah. That was my second year. He was great. That guy was, he was uh, he was an old school throwback guy that liked to have fun. And uh, uh he was great. And I, I kind of knew of him and we had a little connection because he, you know, I think he played, uh, I think he played for the whalers for a little bit in the day. Um, and, uh, anyways, really good guy. I think he spent some time in the East coast. So we had, we had some good conversations. Um, but yeah, we we're all over the map. And you know, again, that's kind of hard when you got, you know, a different coach every year telling you different things and what, you know, what he's looking for. If they were all like Rick Lee, Aaron, and they just said, you know, your, what your job is, go do right. it. Right. That would be simple, but that wasn't the way it was. So you stay in town and yeah. you start coaching kids. Yeah. And it's how long were you coaching kids before the high school situation occurred for you? Not that long. I mean, I retired uh, from playing in 99. And uh, that I guess that that spring is when I retired. I was in, in, uh, in well, when I got the job, I was going to go back to Frankfurt, Germany. So I retired and um I called uh, Mike McNeil, a buddy of mine, said that he was looking for a coaching job at Arrowhead High School. And I said, where the heck is that? He said, oh, it's in Heartland. I said, where's that? Yeah. He said, it's out by Waukesha. I said, oh, okay. So he was telling me the story of this guy, you know, Don Mullet and the Bradley Corporation and the school and how he donated a rink and we're at some party. And I said, well, good luck with that. And uh, so next thing you know, Mike's going back to Germany. He didn't work out, he didn't work out a, an arrangement to do it. And I said, hey, what do you think if I call those guys? He goes, yeah, go for it. So I called Don Mullet's office and I get the secretary and she says, uh, who's calling? I said, Carl Palama. She says, uh, who are you? I said, it doesn't matter. I need to speak with Don Mullet because uh, I hear they're looking for a hockey coach for the high school team. Oh, hang on a second. I'll patch you in. So I get patched in and um, the lady, uh, Don says, hello, Don Mullet. And I said, uh, hi, it's Carl Palama. Who are you? I said, it doesn't matter. I hear you're looking for a hockey coach. He goes, as a matter of fact, we are. <laughs> we have this conversation. It comes up, Mike McNeil. You know, Mike and I used to room on the road when, when sure. we played here. Oh. So uh, I said, I knew Mike McNeil. He said, well, if you're anything like Mike McNeil, we should have lunch. I said, I'm nothing like him, but we should have lunch anyway. Yeah. So we go out and have lunch. And about two and a half hours later, he says, uh, I think you can be a guy that can help our program. 
And so then I had to go through the school and all the parents and all that crap. Sure. Um, and uh, so I did it. And the whole idea of it was to give back. You know, I was a kind of a lucky guy. I got to play a lot in a long time. And I wanted to be a guy that was able to give back and, and actually mentor kids. Uh, hockey's easy for me, uh, you know, mentoring kids and helping them navigate life and the details that you got to take care of is, uh, is the challenge. One of the great things when you have the experiences that you've had and the number of coaches that you've had, one of the great, I, I say to a lot of people, you know, when I see people that do internship after internship after internship, or they don't work because they're not finding the job they want, there's such a value in working and figuring out what you don't want. Right. And I think when you work with a coach, uh, you can filter out what you don't like about that coach to translate into how you want to coach in the future. That's so correct. And I even do it with the, with the company. I, I sit with the employees and I say, you know, some, some behavior about, you know, why, why, you, why are you approaching that like that? Would you do that if you were coaching? Because a lot of these guys coach with me and they go, no. I said, well, why would you do that here in business? It's the same thing. But you have to have the same mentality. And, you know, the world's changed, Aaron, right? I mean, when I was young, the coach would yell at us and give us a boot in the butt and you'd go. Right, exactly. Today, if you yell at a kid, they crumble. Right. They don't hear that. There's, that's not, they, they, don't, they didn't grow up like that. They don't know right. what that means. You actually got to, you know, you got to coddle them and kind of pull them along a little bit and, and just talk to them. One of the greatest lines I ever got was from Joe Panos. You know, Joe? Sure I do, yeah. yeah. So Joe Panos says he was when he was doing the next level stuff right? With Brad Arnett and all that stuff. And he says, uh, you know, a pat on the back is about an inch from a kick in the ass. <laughs> right? So it's right there, right? It's not far away. So which one do you want to do? And I think uh, that goes a lot further today, uh, you know, the pat on the back than the other mode. And, and what we do a lot with the coaching is we, we just, we talk to the kids a lot. I mean, yeah. we do meetings with them one-on-one -on -one with the coaches and just so we get to know them and we know what's going on. And I think that's been one of our things that's really helped us out as far as consistency and continuity, not to mention our staff stays together a long time. Unlike what I experienced playing, right. um, you know, we've been there a long time. It, it's, it, it's simple business, right? I mean, if you can make somebody feel good, they'll want to do their best for you. Right. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's kind of how it is. I mean, I, I, I hate when I hear fans say, well, the coach needs to yell at the guy. Well, do you want your manager to yell at you while you're at work? Never. No, you don't. Want that's absolutely right. And it doesn't help the yell at guys. Listen, the guys you're talking about are professionals. You know, you don't you <laughs> need to be yelling. You think you think they don't know when they made a mistake, what they did wrong. Right. You think the whole building doesn't know the, the 15 or 10,000 that are there. Everybody knows the deal. And uh, but I don't know. I've, I've been uh, I've been really filled up with coaching and rewarded by doing it. I think it's been a, a really good exercise for me. It's a, it's a nice change from daily life and, and work and um, it just so happens it's in the winter when there's not a lot to do in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I could coach a summer sport, Aaron. I don't think I, uh, would have the stomach for it when it's nice yeah. out. I'd rather go golfing. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And could you coach golfing? I probably could. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I know enough about it. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd be a great technical coach, but I think on the mental side of it, just keeping a, an even keel would be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Why? um, you're how, how much longer? I mean, what's, what's your future? How much longer do you think you want to coach? Well, I don't know. It's going to be that much longer. I've got, you know, my daughter's going to be uh, a junior next year and mm -hmm. you know she'll be moving off to college. And I think, uh, you know, it's probably time to spend some time with my wife and uh, she's been a real trooper and letting me kind of do my thing um, and help out. And she gets it, you know, she's aware of what's happening and, 
but I just think it's probably time in life where we spend some more time together and, uh, you know, maybe with our kids and whatever, if they have kids someday. And, uh, but you know, it's going to be, I don't know, at that level, I did four years at junior admirals. This will be 17 at Arrowhead next year. Yeah. Uh, so that's 21 years of giving back. I think that's probably, I've probably done enough. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, your Arrowhead team in, in 05 was the first to make it to, from this area to make it to the championship game. Uh, that team in 09 won the championship. Uh, and I, I bring those two up because, uh, I called games at, at those tournaments. Oh, did you? Uh, I yeah. did. Yeah. And, um, it, it oh, was so cool right. to see. And then I think the goalie from your 09 team went to play at MSOE, right? Uh, coach for us now he's a coach for us and just to interject one of the coolest things we have is we have one two three four guys that played for um uh, the high school team that coach that's awesome yeah so that that's a that says a lot right that they want to come and and so the message has been delivered and we have we have a bunch of kids that want to coach in the youth hockey you know get some of the parents uh you know relieve them of it if they'd like to be relieved they probably don't but have an outside coach for them so so that's all good stuff and um you know, so I don't, I don't know what really, really the future holds. I think, uh, you know, those were great teams. The team that won in 09, I mean, they were men amongst boys in that tournament. Yeah. I mean, mowed everybody down. And we had some guys like Brian Berger and Davey Clark and McBride that really carried the mail. And then we had um, uh, Nick Cohn in goal, who was, yes. you know, got a goalie that can play a puck. It's like a free out of jail card, right? Uh, <laughs> defenseman isn't going to get wrecked. And so that's nice. It's like having three defensemen back there, actually. <clears throat> so that was nice, but you know, we're in an environment where we get what we get. We don't, we don't, we can't recruit. It's illegal. Um, and we have to work with the guys we get. So we're pretty proud of the job we've done there and, you know, really put Arrowhead on the map. Um, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Took it over. That was just basically a pond hockey team right. um, that they cobbled together. And we got this fabulous facility that the mullet family donated. And uh, you know, what a nice treat that is to walk into. And I remind the kids every day. And then, and then they built a locker room for the kids. Um, the boys and girls got one. And, uh, so they got this fabulous locker room they go into. And I said, guys, I don't know if you realize, you know, how all this happens, but you got to be respectful of it. This is a donation from a family on a public campus. And the guys that played before you built this locker room for you, you didn't do it. And you need to respect that and carry it on, leave it in better shape. Yeah. Um, so the message, they get it. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's, it's, I kind of wish I had those kind of messages along my way. Yeah, I'm not so sure I did, um, but I think they're good messages to give the kids. But I tell you what, Carl, when you think about it, in a, in a way, especially in Milwaukee here, you sort of did because Phil stuck around and Phil was very active in, in going out and speaking to as many people as he could and getting the kids on the ice and all of that. And Fred Berry and, and Cal Roadhouse and all these guys that have been around, uh, Eve Preston, all these guys that have been around and, and stuck with the youth hockey, Wayne Caulfield, um, all these guys that gave so much back, yourself included. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a good thing. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, Phil, I think Phil was a good role model. I think Phil was a guy that actually, you know, did, he, he walked the talk. He went out and talked to people and he drummed it up and, you know, he did his thing and he was a well-known guy, obviously, he's, you know, the Admiral guy. Um, and, um, I think that a lot of guys probably took some a piece of that away and gave back, but I think giving back is just an inherent thing that you have, uh, that you get it, you have to get it. And I tell all my kids, I said, the day you arrived on planet earth is the day you wake up and think about somebody besides yourself. Yeah. That's the day. And when you do, then you're here yeah. and they all get there at some point, some are later than others, 
but that's really the essence of, if you ask me, life. I mean, you want to help other people. Sure. To a couple more for you here. How good is high school hockey right now in Wisconsin? It's pretty good. I think it's uh, come a long way. I mean, from the days when I started in 99, we, you know, there weren't a ton of rinks around here. And I think as time has gone on, we've gotten more. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of dynamics, though, that I'm not so sure are, are great. You got, you got the private schools and then you got the public schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, private schools can attract kids through school or whatever. Right. Public schools now we're doing the co-op thing, um, which kind of bothers me a little bit because I think that, you know, if you go out there and put a little bit of work into the youth hockey kids and the programs, you should be able to stay alive. I mean, in the day we had, you know, Pius was a, was a standalone uh, team. Yeah. Um, you had um, Ka- Captain Memorial was standalone team. And all these teams that were by themselves are all not co-ops. You know, there's, yeah. there's six, seven, you know, Waukesha is a great example. They co-op and all of a sudden you got five guys from there and four guys from there. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's not the essence of building a program and actually uh, doing that. So, so I guess the, the guys in the middle, which would be like the Marquettes of the world, mm-hmm. um, it would be, um, you know, Fond du Lacs of the world, Arrowheads of the world, where you just, your guys come and they, you know, you just get them and coach them. Right. There's really no way to go over and say, Hey, we need a goalie. We got to go get one. Right. The goalie shows up or he doesn't. Right. You know? So that's, that's it. But that, that, that being said, I think it's in good shape. I think the kids are uh, way better than they used to be. Right. I think the skill level well, is up. You see, you see that with the amount of kids playing at major divi- at division one level or in the professional yeah. level. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the level is up. And I think that, um, um, you know, it's, it's in good shape. I think it's in good shape moving forward. I think, uh, you know, one of the challenges I think you always have for high school is just finding coaches. You know, it's not a sexy job. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot in it. It's, it's got to, you got to really, it's got to be a passion of yours and you got to be willing to give back because that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so what I will do in the future is work on a, a transition program to get, you know, Arrowhead handed off to the next um, guy or group of guys that's going to, you know, foster that for the long haul, because I've become pretty good friends with the mullets and, and uh, what they've done, I think is unbelievable uh, to a public school. I've just never heard of that in my life. I I've heard of it in private schools, but never public. And so I really commend them for that. Yeah, no doubt. We always end these Carl by asking about uh, the question, when you think of Milwaukee, what do you think of we have to be a little more specific with that, I suppose, with you, because you've been here for tw- almost 30 years, well, 30 years, yeah. um, more than 30 years. Uh, so when you think of your time playing for the Admirals, what do you think of? Yeah. Well, I just think of great times. I think that it's, you know, it's, 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 it's some of the greatest memories I have and uh, hanging out with the guys and doing fun stuff and traveling around, you know, in the day when we, we were with the Admirals, we had, uh, Midwest Express was uh, up and running. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how we traveled when we when we flew. And it was really first class. I think Phil was great. Um, you know, now I look at it and I'm connected with Harris and, you know, help sponsor the team and do things that I can here and there. And um, I think he's done a phenomenal job and, and the whole crew has done a phenomenal job and take it from the level that I played and did it uh, to what it is today. I mean, it's it's an apple and an orange, the entertainment and the, and the amount of detail and the things that you guys do are really quite impressive. So. I give really high marks for that. I tell Harris that all the time. And, you know, I don't think Harris has to do this. Uh, he does it as a passion right. and give back. And, um, and I commend him for that and, and the whole group. And you guys, I know, I know most of you and you guys all do a fabulous job and I know you care 
and you guys are passionate about what you do. So to me, that's great. I love the town. I, what I, what I really loved about the town, <clears throat> you know, playing and still now I probably don't do it as much, uh, but all the festivals and just all the stuff to do in Milwaukee, yeah. you know, it's, it's really, um, I tell everybody it's a little crown jewel that nobody really knew about. Right. Um, and, um, you know, if you want to go on a Thursday, you got, you got German fest, Irish fest, summer fest, you know, Polish fest. I mean, you go on and on, there's something to do every single weekend. And, um, it's just a cool little town and, and it's, it's, it's getting tougher, but it used to be really easy to navigate around. The traffic was non-existent and, uh, now it's a little more cluttered, but, uh, it's a great town. And I would say this, it's been a fabulous town to raise my kids in and, uh, you know, go to school and, you know, obviously it rubbed off on them because uh, my older ones still live here. Um, one in Milwaukee and one in Menominee Falls. And, uh, I think my youngest will get out of town when she graduates and, Go somewhere warm. <laughs> I think we may have polluted her. <laughs> I, I, I want to follow up. I do want to finish with this, actually. Uh, you mentioned George Mike and being the owner of that sh- roller hockey team in Chicago, which is just astounding to me. Um, but another legend that you worked for is Lloyd Pettit. Yeah. Um, so th- th- your dealings with, with Lloyd, with Mr. Pettit. Yeah, he was, a, you know, uh, I, had, I had quite a few dealings with him because uh, Doug was a friend of mine. Okay. Uh, we used to chum around and our wives were friends and our kids were about the same age. And uh, so I'd have dinner quite often with Lloyd and, uh, you know, he was just a passionate guy. I mean, he, so does he hold court then when you have dinner with Lloyd? Oh, Pettit, big time. Big he, time. I mean, you, you want to hear stories about Bobby Hall and Stan Makita, right? I mean, he, you don't want to tell him the stories of whatever you did, right? He'd be smoking cigarettes one after another, telling you all these stories, you know, eating was secondary for him. And, uh, <laughs> I remember one of the last times I saw him, uh, we had a dinner and, and, uh, he was, he was eating dinner and in between he was smoking cigarettes and telling stories. And it was just like, he could never do enough. You know, it was always active and doing stuff. And, but no, he was a really nice guy. And I remember him coming into the locker rooms after games and all he would do, you know, he walked on eggshells too. Um, you, you, he comes in the locker room and all he would say is look around and go, who scored the game winner? The guy raised his hand. He goes, way to go. And he'd leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then when he was up in the, in the booth, uh, he would be rolling cigarettes, right? He'd have them out of the package, roll them around, put them back in. I mean, he was really fixated on those things, but what a super guy. I didn't really get to meet Jane much. I mean, I've met her a few times, but Lloyd was the outspoken one and the guy that really was, uh, you know, spearheading the whole deal and, and really the hockey nut. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And, no doubt. you know, just a good guy. I just, I wish I knew him when he was a little younger, it probably would have been, you know, probably would have done more. I never played golf with him, which would have been fun. And, uh, but I, I've had some cocktails with him and some dinners and some really good stories. And, and he was a really nice guy. I bet. I bet. Carl, uh, it's great to talk to you. It's great to see you stay well. Good luck uh, in the fall. Hopefully we get hockey and everything is back to how it should be in the right season and all of that. And um, I, I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks so much. You as well, Aaron, and kudos to the crew. You guys do a great job. We appreciate that. That's a former Admirals defenseman, Carl Valamont. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.